2022 has been a bad nine months for investors in stocks and bonds globally, as our Federal Reserve has vowed to bust inflation now. Never mind that our Fed fueled a large part of the inflation currently in the system by downplaying inflation in 2021 and the job market ahead of their inflation goals. They were watching lagging government data while much of the real-time data said inflation was in the system. Even Fed Governor Christopher Waller admitted last week they are looking at lagging data, particularly lagging housing market data. Even though they are watching that same data, they are determined to right their wrong of 2021. They have reversed course placing inflation taming over job improvement. Jerome Powell and his team are now playing the game of we won't make another Arthur Burns early 1970s inflation mistake. Our Fed is taking the current inflation problem deathly seriously with those 75 basis point rate hikes, trying to make sure inflation doesn't become a fixture in our future economy. One, where consumers and businesses expect prices to rise in the future. They are pushing so hard that things are starting to break around esoteric areas of the financial markets. However, viewers, the S&P 500 peaked on an absolute basis almost exactly at year end 2021. I know this puts most long-term investors in a foul mood, including myself. Now with the markets having year to date posted its first bear market decline in years. X a few hedge funds I know, most investors, retail or otherwise, are feeling depressed nowadays, having emotionally marked to market their net worth or their company's assets under management much higher on December 31st, 2021. However, many sectors and groups and single stocks have been diverging from the S&P 500 for months, if not quarters, all the way back to the first quarter of 2021 when the yield curve peaked. While our team had expected our first market correction since the COVID baden, we didn't expect our first broad bear market in years. The S&P 500 has round-tripped two years of gains through the end of the third quarter, which while common during Fed rate increases, is not enjoyable for anyone outside of traders. I'm Chris Paris with Oak Harvest Financial Group in Houston, Texas, and welcome to our weekly Stock Talk podcast, keeping you connected to your money. Before we get into this week's topic, what could go right from here? Please take a moment to click on the subscribe button and click on the notification bell so you'll be alerted when our team uploads our latest content. The stock and bond markets have both declined in unison year-to-date primarily for one reason. The Federal Reserve has moved with historically significant interest rate hikes from the lowest level on record at one of the fastest pace in 100 years after being overly easy from a monetary standpoint for years. I'll say it, the Fed's moves in 2022 have been unprecedented for the last 50 years. Only Alan Greenspan in 1994 came close when he doubled rates by 300 basis points in only 12 months. Take a look at the comparison and the change in the Fed funds rate chart. Putting this into perspective, the pace of interest rate increases is about the same but opposite direction as how fast the Fed cut rates in 2008 in the great financial crisis. So the question to me now is, with everything down, 20%, 25% on the S&P 500 over 10 months, the question isn't what could go wrong now. That list is well known by now. The question I wanna ask is, what could go right? Our team had expected the first three quarters of 2022 to be a mess, including a correction of minus 10 to minus 12.5%. We've been correct on the direction, but admittedly off on the magnitude, almost entirely the last six weeks post Chairman Powell's Jackson Hole speech on August 26th. Yes, until then, the overall S&P 500 was down almost precisely 
12.5% off its tip-top 4,800 highs. Since then, Jerome Powell and the rest of the FOMC's nonstop hawkish talk caused the third quarter swoon. What would it take for the stock markets to rally and convincingly hold those gains? Well, the Fed needs to do their November 1st, 2nd interest rate hike of 50 or 75 basis points and slow down. They don't need to pause in my book. Greenspan didn't pause in the fourth quarter of 1994. Instead, he slowed the pace. The markets would collectively exhale if the Fed communicated to the markets that while they are still on the path of raising rates and even holding them higher for longer, that they are seeing signs in the real-time data that everyone else is already seeing. And that makes them optimistic for 2023. Say they admit to seeing the real estate data grinding to a halt. Fed Governor Waller last week admitted to the real-time data they are heading lower, even though the BLS data will likely continue to head higher next quarter. He sees the apartment rental prices are falling. Maybe they admit to seeing commodity prices tanking. More likely, they admit to seeing the number of job openings, also called the JOLTS number, heading materially lower in real time as companies announce layoffs. Ford, layoffs. Siemens, layoffs. Remax, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Microsoft, Shopify, 7-Eleven, Snap, Twilio, Peloton, DocuSign, all layoffs. Oracle, Netflix, layoffs. Layoffs are deflationary. Jobs are the last thing to roll over in a recession caused by the Fed hiking due to inflationary pressures. For those who think the markets might barely bounce a bit on actual slowing or pause by the Fed, here's the chart of the S&P 500 year to date. History says otherwise. We discussed Alan Greenspan's slowing rate increases in late 1994, and even this year, it's easy to see on the charts Late in the second quarter of this year, the S&P 500 rallied almost 19% from its mid-June lows to its mid-June highs on just the hope of a Fed pivot in the fourth quarter of 2022. In fact, the index rallied over 550 points and 16% in one month from mid-July option expiration through mid-August expiration. Those are the types of moves that happen when volatility is high and sentiment is low. Investors despondent and positioning underweight. That's the way things are right now. Those are the types of moves that happen when volatility gets sucked out of the markets, pessimism flips to optimism, and large short-term investors feel panic and FOMO to push their chips to the center of the table. These types of moves are quite common in midterm election years in the fourth quarter. Which brings me to my second point of what could go right. Midterm election year stock returns seasonally, historically, like it or not, like who is president or not, have been a thing. There are all sorts of reasons people give as to why this happens. The easiest and most logical one to me is that the second half of the second year of a presidential term is usually representing the slowest economic period in a presidential term. If there was a early honeymoon period that ended quarters ago, if the administration induced programs to initially juice the economy in their first year, those are now being calendarized and the initial surge and sugar high has worn off. Midterm election years tend to be messes for the first three quarters of the year. On average, US midterm election year declines are over 20%. 2022 slightly greater than minus 20% decline pace is the standard decline during midterm election years. That deserves a Charlie Brown UG. UG! The average and median midterm corrections for the S&P 500 are minus 20.8% and minus 19.8% respectively, according to Merrill Lynch. However, historically, 
The best part of a presidential cycle is from the midterm year low, usually in late third quarter, like we are in now, through year three of the cycle. Rallies off the low into year end can be strong, and they have an average return of a positive 17.6%. The potential for a sharp year end rally in 2022 is aligned with the path that the S&P 500 has usually taken after the Federal Reserve begins a rate hiking cycle a cycle in which we should be approaching peak hawkishness and peak momentum now through the November Fed meeting. Take a look at the historical data for those who are interested. Year to date, we followed very similar patterns to 1962 and 1994. Over the last 70 plus years, stocks have had a positive return one year after the midterm elections every time. The average return has been almost 15%. Previously, we've discussed the stock markets tend to be largely indifferent to the results of the US elections outside of saying that a split government and the predictability that gridlock brings is the market's favorite outcome. Remember everyone, these federal monetary policies and government fiscal policies work with a lag both on the way up and on the way down. The stimulative COVID response in the second quarter of 2020 took six to nine months to work its way into the economy. That's even though the stock market had already anticipated that and their effects well in advance. Stocks move broadly and sharply higher into the first quarter of 2021 in advance of the economic recovery that happened. Small cap stocks and most cyclical stops led the first nine months of the COVID recovery. Looking back, many companies and sectors got a significant one-time boost. Unfortunately, many of these same groups of stocks anticipated slow to negative economic growth in the first half of 2022 against nearly impossible comparable growth in the second half of 2020 and the first half of 2021. Looking out into 2023, particularly post first quarter, the comps for revenue growth should get easier at the same time that many companies cost curve peak and begin declining. Goldilocks for markets are moderate but sustainable revenue growth, troughing and expanding margins and inflections up in free cash flow. Opposite of what has been transpiring since the first quarter of 2021 for many smaller companies, and the second half of 2021 for larger multinational companies. Investor sentiment is bordering on somber. According to Merrill Lynch, inflows to cash accounts are at their highest level since April 2020, which of course was the peak fear of COVID and the lows in the stock and bond markets for the next 18 months. The investor sentiment data, regardless of how it's measured, is almost universally at lows, not seen since the dot-com bubble burst or the great financial crisis lows. Take a look at the chart from Merrill Lynch on margin debt levels. It's dropped at its fastest pace since near the market lows in 2001 and 2009. Besides the Federal Reserve's rhetoric on inflation and interest rate, positive midterm election seasonality and anemic investor sentiment and positioning, a couple of other things that could tilt the market's way favorably are the war in Ukraine coming to conclusion over the next six months and China scrapping its zero COVID tolerance policy post the upcoming elections there. Both would go a long way towards improving investor sentiment and setting up 2023 for an acceleration in global growth off the rapid slowdown that 2022 has presented the world. The impact from the recent Fed rate hikes are being quickly passed on to the financial markets and other markets, such as housing markets and credit markets, and other things such as junk bonds. Unfortunately, areas of the economy that the Fed is watching, such as jobs and wages, have yet to feel the full impact of those aggressive rate hikes. Viewers, they will be impacted. As the Fed says, 
monetary policy actions tend to influence economic activity, employment, and prices with a long and variable lag. Since Jackson Hole, the Fed has been using harsh rhetoric and forward guidance because they know it can immediately affect financial markets and the economy without a lag. When will this downturn in stocks end? No one knows for certain, but it has historically happened during periods of pessimism in months, if not quarters, before the data gets better and people call the coast is clear. Unlike the data the Fed is watching, market inflation expectations look to have peaked months ago. However, the markets are still waiting in an uncertainty mode until the Fed slows its pace. The September CPI data is released on Thursday, October 13th, along with the other bunch of data series the Fed watchers track. And then the Fed meets on November 1st and 2nd, and Jerome Powell will do his afternoon questions and answers. We should know in a few weeks. If the ongoing market volatility is making you feel uneasy, give us a call and schedule a meeting with an Oak Harvest advisor. Our team does have insurance-based tools that don't have the volatility of public markets. However, we have to remind you that these investments may have lower long-term expected returns for your portfolios. At Oak Harvest, we think our clients are best served by us helping them plan for their future needs instead of focusing on the past. The future in stock markets are always uncertain, and that's why our retirement planning teams plan for your retirement needs first and your greed second. Give us a call to speak to an advisor and let us help you craft a financial plan that helps you meet your retirement goals. Call us here at 877-896-0040 and schedule an advisor consultation. The first one is free. We're here to help you on your financial journey into and through your retirement years. From myself and the whole team here at Oak Harvest, have a great weekend. All content contained within Oak Harvest podcast expresses the views of the speaker and is for informational purposes only. It is based on information believed to be reliable when created, but any cited data, indicators, statistics, or other sources are not guaranteed. The views and opinions expressed herein may change without notice. Strategies and ideas discussed may not be right for you, and nothing in this podcast should be considered as personalized investment, tax or legal advice, or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Indexes such as the S&P 500 are not available for direct investment and your investment results may differ when compared to an index. Specific portfolio actions or strategies discussed will not apply to all client portfolios. Investing involves the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results.